Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We welcome in our good buddy, Chris Biederman, who for some reason I sent to Salt Lake City this morning. I, I don't know why I did that. I thought, I thought you were in Utah for the All-Star break, but you're here no, with us. Uh, and we're thrilled about it. You want to lead with the team? You, you, did we ever find the origins of this? Was this like a trade proposal on Twitter or something? Or where did this come from? I, I don't know. I, I'm assuming it was on Twitter. It was probably reported somewhere or whatever. I saw it. I saw like some vague reference to it on Twitter. I didn't see the actual conversation. But then our mm-hmm. guy, TC, he called in and he talked about how there was a, a Twitter rumor out there of the 49ers trading Devo Samuel to the Patriots for the number 14 pick in this year's draft. TC said he would do it in a heartbeat. Your thoughts? So please. if they did it, they would incur $28 million in dead salary cap space. <laughs> so, so I don't really see any path to that happening. Um, did you hear about this? Like, did you see the rumor? The- uh, so I saw, I saw the tweets. I, I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of stuff, particularly this time of year. They're like, for whatever reason, in February and March, Niners Twitter seems to latch on to every crazy thing they hear and people talk about it and then assume it to be true. And a lot of it just ends up being complete nonsense. So I, I wouldn't read a whole lot into that, particularly given that there's $28 million in, in dead money the team's just not going to take on just to go get a draft pick. But I will say, like, say a year from now, like it wouldn't be the craziest thing for the Niners to decide that they want to deal Debo instead of giving him another contract. Like that, that wouldn't be crazy to me, particularly given you know you see receivers get traded throughout the league, and hmm. and it was kind of an interesting test case in the Super Bowl in particular because you had the Chiefs who traded away Tyree Kill, maintain a good enough level of offense to win the Super Bowl, while on the other side a team like the Eagles traded for AJ Brown, and then he completely lifts them right. So there, hmm. there's. It was an interesting juxtaposition in terms of like where receivers at are in the NFL because one team added a guy and it was huge for them. Another team subtracted a guy and it all, it ultimately didn't hurt them. Like the Niners are going to have to pay Brandon Ayuk at some point. Do they want to wrap up, you know, $40 million a year in their, t- in their two receivers? You know, so I, it wouldn't be crazy to me if after next year we're having more legitimate conversations about trading Debo Samuel when there isn't all that that dead salary cap space. I don't know exactly what, what it would look like financially next year, but I think it's, I think it's far more reasonable than this year. Cause they're not going to do, they're not just going to take a $28 million cap hit to, to trade a guy just to get a draft pick. That's not happening. I think, I think we're two years away from any real discussions about Debo going like I, I if you, but he only has that, two more years left on the contract. So you're not trading him. You're so, losing him in free agency, so he, which is also possible. So what he, what he did was he signed an extension. It wasn't a new contract when, what he got this past off season. Uh, you know what? I'd have to double check. This is bad radio. I was I was not prepared to talk to you about Samuel. But, oh, this uh, is the type of radio we do. We just we, <laughs> this is how we, get, this how we get it on. This is how we do it. Yeah, yeah. Now, you're, you're, I, I will say this while you look that up, Chris. 
Um, I saw some, t- and maybe you could you could help me out with this one. I saw some uh, article that said a restructure to Trent Williams' contract could save the 49ers like $14 million under the cap. Are yeah. You with that? So Debo is signed. Yeah. So he basically, they, they have an out next year. Um, there would still be a significant amount of dead cap, but I think they could work around it. Anyway, Trent Williams basically signed two three-year contracts. So it's a six-year deal, but there's an out after three years. Um, but the thing is with all their big money deals is they can be reworked, right? Mm-hmm. The, the only the only thing is with reworking the contracts is you're essentially kicking the can down the road in terms of guaranteed money. Mm-hmm. So it becomes more difficult to move off of that contract down the line when you shrink the salary cap number in the short term. So, yeah, when you look at, you know, their big money contracts, whether it's Fred Warner, Eric Armstead or George Kittle, there's a certain level that they can rework to create cap space. And I'm sure Trent Williams, that was all built into Trent Williams contract. Mm-hmm. Um, so they, they'll be able to do, you know, I'm not expecting them to like bring in any like big ticket guys, mm-hmm. but they're going to, they're going to be able to do some things that they need to do uh, in, in free agency, whether it's, you know, re-signing Emmanuel Mosley or, um, you know, maybe if they go get a right tackle or something, if they don't want to pay Mike McGlinchey, but yeah, they're, they have avenues to create cap space for sure. Casey, you got anything more on the 49ers? <laughs> we just crushed TC's dream of trading Debo for a 14th pick. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't have anything. Next week. Uh, next week is the is the day. Next, I don't know what day of the week that is, but 22nd. Rock Party. We'll find out officially what is going on in that elbow. And um, Chris, why I got you here, Chris? I think Purdy's QB one if he's healthy, right? Yeah, if he's healthy. Yeah. If he's healthy, unless, I mean, so six months, which is generally been the estimate, assuming it's just a repair and not a reconstruction, would mean he's, you know, he'll be throwing presumably in June and then able to like throw in a football capacity, like participate in practice at some point in August. Mm. The question is if Brock Purdy's practicing for two weeks ahead of the regular season coming off the injury, after missing the entirety of the offseason program, is that enough? Like, is, is he going to have enough reps um, to get that done? I, that's that's really the big question, because during that time, you're going to have Trey Lance, the guy you invested three first round picks in, mm-hmm. presumably getting all of the first team reps like he did last offseason when he went into the year as a starter. So did Brock Purdy do enough? to where Kyle Shanahan feels comfortable making him the starter without getting any reps for six months versus this guy that they thought was talented enough to be their starting quarterback last year, having him get all the reps. Like it's not a, I don't know that it's like a a super easy decision, particularly if Trey Lance plays well, if Trey Lance doesn't play well and isn't practicing well um, in August then it's a pretty easy decision, I think. But if Trey Lance comes out and plays pretty well and improves a lot, then then it's going to force Kyle Shanahan to have to, to potentially have to make a tough call. So mm. we'll see. A lot's going to happen between now and then, and maybe they bring in somebody like Matt Ryan or Andy Dalton or something to to add to the mix. But um, I think it's going to be more more interesting than Kyle Shanahan was letting on at his end of season press conference when he was like, no, it's, it's just, you know, we're, we're totally content with Brock Purdy and Trey Lance. Like it's, it's like, are you, (laughs) are you that's, that's a question I would love to love to throw a couple blueberry, blueberry Red Bull and vodkas into Kyle Shanahan and get his real answer on that. That's a hell of a drink. 
These, these, these conversations sound so familiar. It's almost as if we had them before last year. Run it Just back. Just change the names a little bit. <laughs> Run oh, it back man. indeed. Um, Chris Biederman, Sacramento Bee, kind enough to join us. Uh, of course, he covers the San Francisco 49ers, and he covers your Sacramento Kings as well. Chris, we're headed into the second part of the season uh, a week from today. We know the flaws that the Kings have. Interior defense or perimeter defense, or we, we could pick apart a number of different things on the defensive end. The question is, do you think headed into the second half of the season, any of that stuff is going to be corrected? I think it'll be corrected in terms of the rotation, maybe shortening, right? Like I think it's been telling to me that in a couple of these overtime games, when Demonis Sabonis has fouled out that Mike Brown has opted for Trey Lyles to play the five instead of Chemezi Metu or, or Sean Holmes or anybody else. I think that speaks to maybe having that in their back pocket going forward that, you know, maybe instead of trying to, to replace Demonis Sabonis's production when he's on the bench or unavailable with another center, it's all right, let's just play super fast. We'll play small. We'll play fast. We'll, we'll play five out. And, and that's the way that, we'll try to get a leg up on some of these other teams. I think the Kings are probably more content with, I know Mike Brown preaches defense and and he's a defensive coach and, and I totally get that. But I think overall, one of the reasons why they didn't make a move to improve defensively at the trade deadline was because they realized that they are who they are because of the offense that they play. And if they were to get somebody like Matisse Thibel, I think overall the net result, yeah, you might be a little bit better on defense when he's on the court, but you're losing your identity offensively, which is to have shooters all around the floor. And that's what makes the Kings as effective as they are offensively. And then, you know, you're maybe a little bit better defensively, but you're a whole lot worse offensively. And overall, you're a net negative, like Mm -hmm. when you do that. I think that's ultimately the way they view this thing. So they're a team, like when the Warriors were, were playing well, like they had, you know, a distributor, whether it was Draymond Green or Andrew Bogut or whatever, and then a whole lot of shooters. Um, the Kings want to have that same thing. So I think their rotation's probably going to be, you know, down the stretch run and in the playoffs, like seven, eight guys max. Mm. And uh, I, I think they shore up some of their some of their deficiencies that way by just shortening the rotation. And look, maybe that's maybe it's Terrence Davis getting Malik Monk's minutes, right? Like we're, we've seen Terrence Davis the last couple of nights take advantage of the opportunities he's been given by providing energy, providing some shooting, um, a little bit of defense. Like, you know, he was playing down the stretch in that Dallas game on Saturday um, and and played pretty good defense, like was was on Luka Doncic and, and was, you know, flying around the perimeter when, when the Kings limited the Mavericks offense mm-hmm. um, in that spot. So, you know, I, I think we're, I'm not going to ever expect this version of the Kings to be like a top 10 defensive team. But I do think there are ways for them to get a little bit better just by shortening their rotations and sort of instead of trying to like be de- be the deep team, just rely on the guys that have gotten to this point. Yeah, Chris, I, I kind of have the same outlook as you um, with trying to bring in somebody like Thibel or Mason Plumlee in a trade is I, I've said it a number of different times. I'll continue to say it. I just think the strong point of this team this year is the way that they score the basketball. And, yes, you want to be better on the defensive end, but I don't think you want to do anything to mess with what, they, what they're able to do on the offensive end because the odds are, however much, like you mentioned, however 
better you get on the defensive end, it's not going to make up for what you'll be losing on the offensive end if that person doesn't doesn't mesh well with what you're trying to do on the offensive end. So um, I think that's the, the way they they could be looking at it. And I still think that the group that they have has the potential to be a better defensive team. Like it's not not great, but you just mentioned Terrence Davis and what he's able to do, and you know, and, and Keegan Murray after playing you know almost sixty games in the league, and Harrison Barnes and all these other guys. I think they can be a better defensive team than what they've shown. Damian points it out all the time. They've shown spurts. They've shown uh, uh, times in games where they can play at a high level. Why can't they stretch those those times out, you know, instead of being five minutes long? Maybe they can be 10 minutes long or something like that. Yeah, and, like, I don't want to douse water on the season, and, and Kings fans probably aren't going to want to hear this, but I, I have to think that, like, Monty McNair and Mike Brown have a have a viewpoint of, like, all right, we're probably not winning the title this year, so hmm. let's see let's see what – Let's see what kind of experience we can get for this group, right? Because there are steps you have to get to to be a team that contends year after year. It doesn't just happen. You go from, you know, missing the playoffs for 16 straight years, and then all of a sudden you're like a legitimate title contender. Like I think part of the reason, another reason for the inactivity at the deadline, and they alluded to this, was wanting this core to stay and learn together. And I know you know, being a Bay Area guy and coming, you know, be, be growing up a Warriors fan, Kings fans aren't going to want to hear this, but like the Warriors had to take steps in 2013 and 2014 in those postseasons before they ultimately became a title contender in 2015. So I think that's that's part of the realistic view that this Kings team has is like, all right, we need to just get these reps. We need to get over the hump, get to the playoffs, see what type of team we have in the postseason, see how we need to improve in the, in the offseason after that, and then go from there and then maybe make another big swing to potentially get another star or add guys on the edges when it you know when when they ultimately just can't defend anybody like through the three point contest and see see how I stack up against the best guys in the league. So I think that's where his mindset's at. I think he did one in college. Um he listed off a whole bunch of names of guys he competed with, and I just didn't didn't know any of those dudes, frankly. I'm not a huge college basketball guy. But no, Kevin Herter's excited. And and the team overall, just to have four guys at All Star Weekend is is pretty unique. You guys know this, like yeah. to have four the, to have the Kings being represented on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday is a pretty big deal for the organization, and and it's it's emblematic of of the steps the team, the franchise has taken over these last oh, these last few months. So I, I think it's it's going to be a really fun opportunity for Herder. I think. You know, can is it going to help him maybe break out of his his sort of mini slump that he's been in? You know, like he he made four threes against Phoenix, and he hadn't made more than three going back to January twenty fifth. So almost, mm. you know, I, I think it was a solid ten games to where he's been in, in sort of this mini shooting slump after you know the first six weeks of the season he was hovering around fifty percent from the three point line. So it, it's been a little bit of an up and down season for him in terms of in terms of the way he's been shooting. Uh, but no, I, I think it's just going to be a fun experience for him. He's still a young guy uh, and he's going to have an opportunity to do, do something he's never done before. And frankly, looking at the field, like if he won it, it wouldn't really be all that surprising. He's a really good shooter. Um, he's given the Kings a lot in terms of the way they play offense is sort of imperative to have a shooter like him at the two guard. And I almost look at it like, you know, trading for him in the offseason was kind of the equivalent of a deadline deal mm. because it was like the Kings 
sorely needed a shooter, like a legitimate shooter at shooting at shooting guard to be um, to take this offense to the next level. And that was apparent throughout all last season when it was Justin Holiday and Jeremy Lamb right in the second half of the year. So I think it's just emblematic of what Herter brings this team, the type of seasons he's he's been having and and ultimately how good of a move it was to get him for, you know, a first a, a protected first round pick that that I think ultimately you know, I know the Hawks had had certain salary cap things they had to deal with, but I think it's been a pretty one-sided trade to this point with Atlanta. Hey, you you mentioned that you know you grew up a Warriors guy. You've seen the, you know a lot of great basketball from them over the. I last shouldn't season. have said that. I feel like Kings fans are just going to tune me out, like uh, uh, from from now on, just because I said that. You're going to get the Jason Jones Laker fan treatment now. That's all it is. I I think. I was about to say, do we have any writers that? Well, James Ham. James Ham was a Kings fan. But I was about to say we got oh, yeah. we got Chris Biederman, we got Jason Jones, Sarah Hodges. All got different allegiances. We're the last of the Mohicans here. We last one standing. But um, as Kings fans, but what I was going to say was, you've seen a lot of great basketball, and you've seen the evolution of somebody like Steph Curry. And I'm not saying that um, De'Aaron Fox is about to be Steph Curry. But I do want to know how what you've seen from him this year, the clutch moments, uh, games like he had on Saturday against Dallas. Does that give you kind of um, vibes or shades of what Curry was able to do as he was coming up and coming into his own as, as one of the top players in this league? Yeah, so I think that's a that's a really good point because, you know, when you talk to people with the Warriors, and I've covered the Warriors a little bit, but like, the thing is with Steph is he's sort of the tone setter with the organization in the way that like, you know, his work ethic is second to none. He he allows guys or um, emboldens guys to sort of reach at reach their their highest level of potential because they're motivated by his work ethic. Like he's he's just that figure that like lifts other people around him in intangible ways and that was always a question i had with De'Aaron fox was like all right he's a really talented player but we've seen a lot of really talented players in the nba just be that type of guy that doesn't lift teammates i think this year fox is sort of turning that corner right like the, the discussion about him wanting to stay in sacramento and you know wanting to be a one-team guy and you know putting down roots here and and he's becoming more of that tone setter i think within the organization when it comes to the work ethic you know, working out with Luke Locks at his honeymoon, right? Like doing that type of stuff, um, embracing Domanus Sabonis and and putting in all the work, going to Napa and staying at his house and doing those things, um, putting in the work with Sabonis to build that two man game and that and that um, you know that chemistry that they so badly need. Like, I think Fox is getting there, and and it's been really impressive to see what he's done in the fourth quarter because if there's one one real tangible thing that that would translate to the playoffs. Like, so the Kings aren't like the Atlanta Hawks who have like a really good regular season and then just flame out in the first round of the playoffs. It's the way Fox scores in the fourth quarter, because that is, that is playoff type stuff. Right. And you could see maybe Fox going into fourth quarter mode, like in the first and second quarter in a playoff game. And then all of a sudden De'Aaron Fox is scoring like 30, 40 points a night in the playoffs and you're like damn this guy's really like that type of dude um i think that could be something that translates to the playoffs uh in a way beyond just like oh this is a really good offensive team who plays at a really fast pace in the regular season but once once the tempo slows down in the postseason everything's completely different i, I think because De'Aaron fox is such a good one-on-one scorer 
that will translate to the postseason. So he's a confident dude. You talk to him, you like you ever ask him about getting to his spots, like he will tell you, I can always get to my spots. I can always get the shots I want to get. Um, and that's pretty apparent because it's it's very rare do you see him, particularly in a clutch situation, like be defended super well. Like he can get to his spots. He's really crafty. He changes his pace a lot. He's got a really good handle. He can go left or right. Um, his step backs are are pretty deadly. And when you have a good mid-range game, you know, teams so often like crowd the three-point line or defend the rim. Well, that leaves a lot of space in the mid-range. And that's where Fox operates, right? So uh, I think I think he's certainly on his way. I don't think, I mean, look, to say, to say I think De'Aaron Fox is going to be the next Steph Curry would obviously be a stretch, but I think there's a real possibility that he can elevate himself to say like a Damian Lillard type where it's like you can count on that guy to be a franchise lifting star that elevates guys around him to where you don't have to worry about him. Like there's no, there isn't conversation like, Oh, this, this is somebody they probably need to move off of at some point. Like to me, that's where this conversation is with Fox. It's like, Mm. yeah, you can win with this guy because of what he does in the fourth quarter and because of the way he elevates his teammates and and the offense you can play with him on the court. Um, whereas I wasn't necessarily sure about that, you know, during like last season, for example. Do you have a favorite moment so far this season? Um, the Utah game when Herter hit the hit the game winning three when they were down by two in December was a good one. Hmm. The I mean, the game against Dallas was a really good one. Like Kyrie Irving was throwing haymakers. Yeah. Like, you know, that that spin move with the left handed finish was like, you know, I was I, I, I fell back in my chair when when Kyrie Irving did that. And I'm not a huge Kyrie guy, but you got to you got to respect the skill that that guy has. But that felt like a real playoff game. Um, and, you know, what the, the thing I wrote was like, yeah, Golden One Center's loud and it's been loud all season. But there was a different level of intensity in the building that night because of the team they were going against, the fact that, you know, it's a team competing for the third seed. It's Luka Doncic, one of the best players in the NBA. Um, it's Kyrie Irving. Like, it's it's that, that's, that was a high-level game with both teams playing well. And then, you know, De'Aaron Fox going crazy in the fourth quarter in overtime. Like, that to me is probably the moment that that sticks in my head right now. And, and maybe because it's, you know, it's, it's the most recent one. But um, you know, Saturday night, like it, it just felt like sort of the highlight of the season. And and the Kings had arrived a long time before that, but it didn't really feel like they had excelled in a whole lot of like huge game moments. Mm. But that one felt like they did like that one felt like a checkpoint, like if if and when the Kings make the playoffs, there are going to be certain checkpoints we look at throughout the season. And I, I think that's going to be one of them. Chris, you are the man. Uh, We appreciate you so much. Chris Biederman, Sacramento Bee. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. 
Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever. Or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.